Welcome to To Grow Good, a place to spread joy, beauty, and goodness, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and He wants to meet you too. Hi, friends, and happy Tuesday. I hope your week is off to a great start and your Tuesday is going well so far. Um, I'm really excited this week to bring you the conversion story of Olivia McCarthy of Heart Home Faith Podcast. Um, Her story is just incredible. It's just one of those things where... um, Gosh, it's just the Lord is working all the time through things that we don't even realize he's working through. And I just love this story because I think it's one of those ones that from the outside, someone might think, you know, Olivia had this strong faith where she was at the time, um, that she really, truly met the Lord in her heart. Um and only God would have known that. And I think, I don't know, there's something about that to me that is so comforting, so fortifying, uh, and just endlessly mind-blowing that he knows our hearts and he knows exactly what we need at that time, that we need it. And I think Olivia's story speaks so much into just that. Um, I also think it's just so relatable as, you know, a lot of her story has to do with just going out on a limb and and taking a chance, um, hoping that God might come through and, and then just watching the ways that he answers when we give him the smallest, tiniest sliver of a yes. Um, and so without any other delay, here is Olivia. Olivia. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Can you start us out by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and where you're at right now? Of course. So I'm Olivia McCarthy. I am 30 years old. I feel like I always need to tell people that because there's a a moment of hesitation when they realize how many children I have. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Olivia McCarthy. I just turned 30 back in May. I work for my parish and um, let's see. Oh, I'm all out of order now. I've been married to my husband for eight years. So I got married when I was 21 years old and then turned 22 a week later, which was kind of funny. I was very young when I got married. Um, But then I have three daughters and I'm pregnant with our fourth baby. We're not sure if the baby's going to be a boy or a girl because we're going to be surprised. Mm. And I also have two babies in heaven, which is a big part of my story. And um, so I run a podcast called Heart Home Faith. I work for my church as a family ministry coordinator and the religious education program. So I've done a lot of lesson planning and things that focus on the younger kids over the past few years. And then I also am pursuing a master's degree through Franciscan University online. So that's kind of 
all the stuff wrapped up all in one. Um, so yeah, so I've got three kids with a fourth on the way and then two babies in heaven. And, mm. um, yeah, it's been a real whirlwind of the past nine-ish years as far as my faith deepening and God just moving mountains one pebble at a time. Awesome. I cannot wait to hear your story. Um, so can you just go back to the beginning and maybe walk us through your journey in the faith um, and how you grew up? Um, and then if you can remember kind of a first experience where you realized that God was real. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, like we were talking about a little bit before we started interviewing, um, I grew up Catholic. I actually went to Catholic schools from kindergarten through 12th grade. And I'm always kind of hesitant to say this, but it wasn't the best experience for me. I have an older sister and I have a younger sister and I was very much in my older sister's shadow, especially throughout high school. And it was, it was hard. And there was also definitely a lot of the beauty of the faith that for whatever reason, either I was too hard-headed to see it or too hormonal and teenage to get it, <laughs> or perhaps just maybe there was actually a little bit of something that was missing in the way that it was being lived out among the teachers and my fellow classmates and, and the families and things. Um, it wasn't a very healthy atmosphere. It was very competitive at least my particular grade level and the parents were very competitive. And so the focus wasn't so much on being good Christian Catholic people, at least from my perspective, the focus was much more on um, accumulating accolades more so than anything else. And that, that really made me sad and turned me away from the faith in some ways. And in other ways, I went to college and was just like, yeah, I'm Catholic, but God just wants me to be happy. And so sleeping was going to make me happier than going to mass and mm -hmm. other things, you know, were more fun or enjoyable, even if they weren't what was actually good for me. And so I kind of had that experience of falling away. I did have that experience of falling away in college, which I, you know, it's, it's embarrassing for me to say it now, but I also realize how with every, with every ability that God has, he still lets us choose him which is such a gift. And so to know that I, I willingly walked away, but then I also willingly came back. And in many ways I felt pulled back by him, but that I allowed myself to be pulled by him has been just a really beautiful thing to meditate on, just to reflect on him. So that's kind of my, my background and my experience. And um, I do think Catholic schools are a wonderful, wonderful investment. If you can send your children there, it's a great thing. They do great work, but um, in my experience, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And so I'm pretty vocal about telling people that, you know, you can discern the right type of schooling for your kids. And it might be different for each kid, but that's kind of a whole nother story. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and I think I, it's hard to say, I think it is a mix of things, you know, that are going on in, in that time. You're young. Um, but it's amazing how even despite that, I still have memories, you know, from going to CCD, even if it wasn't the most great program, you know, we had no youth programs. We didn't have any sort of like engagement really, but I still have memories from that, um, which is just incredible that God, he really does work through everything. Um, I, I still remember going to mass when I was little, um, 
and how much does stick, even when it seems like, you know, it's not necessarily the greatest environment that you're in at that moment. Um, So I think that that's so cool to reflect on, like you were saying, like looking back and reflecting on everything um, and just the impact that that has. But so then do you want to talk, if you you don't mind, a little bit about kind of what brought you back? I mean, what was going on at college? And then kind of what was that moment that you started feeling that pull back to him? (laughs) Oh, okay. Yes. I mean, and I could talk literally forever about this. So I will give you an abbreviated ish version, but we can chat another time with more details if you ever are interested. Uh, But so I met my husband at Michigan State and my husband was not Catholic, but he had his favorite grandma or one of, she has since passed, um, but granny, as we called her, she's a very devout Catholic woman. And so it was kind of just, I, I don't know, it was really easy for him to decide that he wanted to convert to Catholicism because we knew we wanted to have a family. We knew we wanted to raise our children Catholic and just kind of, you know, like that was what I knew. And he kind of, he grew up as a Christian and he grew up familiar with the Catholic faith. He loved his grandma so, so much. She was super, super Catholic. I, and it's funny to say people are super Catholic, but you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? I know what you mean. So, yeah. Very devout woman, very holy woman. And so we ended up getting married right after we graduated from college. And so we got married and then that fall, we started our CIA. And so he was the candidate because he was baptized, um, but he still needed to receive his first Eucharist and his confirmation. And then we, we were married in the Catholic church, by the way. So that was already valid and all set. But um, so I was his sponsor and I kind of went into it like, well, I'm already going to know everything. And, but it was really beautiful. I learned so much, so much. I had no idea But at the same time, looking back, I now see how entry level that was. And so I'm so grateful that that was kind of the first little nudge was, you know, my husband, Patrick, deciding that becoming Catholic was good because I never forced it on him. I just, we talked about it and it was very easy for him to make that decision. And uh, he just, you know, that nudge, that was the first step. And that was, I think I went to confession for the first time and, oh my goodness, I don't know, maybe... (laughs) maybe years once right before, right before he was received into the church. And so that was really beautiful. And uh, anyways, but the other part of the story, because it all kind of ties together, right? God is just so, you know, he draws straight with crooked lines and he's weaving the tapestry and we're only seeing the underside. We had (laughs) a surprise baby come along (laughs) very early in our marriage. And so my oldest daughter is seven and we got pregnant with her about six months into our marriage. And so while we were going through our CIA, I was pregnant. I was nauseous. And by the time he was received into the church, I was pretty big. Uh, so once she was born, it was, you know, it just makes things so much more real because all of a sudden you're trying to raise a child in the faith. But there's there's so much more here. So <laughs> before we found out she was coming, before we knew, we were broke college grad students. He was getting his master's the year after we were married. And then I was completing my student teaching. And so that's technically grad student classes. 
And also we were working for free. So we had no money. We lived in this like super basement apartment. It was the, the window looked out at the parking lot because it was below ground. And we had decided that we were going to have an adventure and we were going to move to Texas. And so we put this all in place before we found out that she was coming. And so oh, my husband had arranged to start his career with an accounting firm in Austin, Texas. And so I moved to Texas when my oldest daughter was one month old. I got on a plane with my mom and flew across the country and moved. And it was there that I was totally stripped down to nothing but what I knew. And what I knew was Catholicism, which you know, I didn't know how to be a mom. I was still figuring out how to be a wife. I didn't know as an accountant, my husband worked very, very long hours for part of the year. And I I didn't even know where to go grocery shopping. I don't know if you've ever tried to drive in Texas, but it's different than driving in Michigan. They actually make left turns at lights, which is like totally beyond my capability to understand because we make Michigan lefts. (laughs) <laughs> would, would confuse anybody from Texas who showed up in Michigan, but it was, you know, literally I had nothing. And so I started to just pray and I wanted to make friends. So my thought was, well, I want to meet other people who have kids. And so I looked up Catholic schools in the area and I found a Catholic school and decided that we're going to check that out. We're going to see if that's a good fit for us. And so we went there and I ended up making my first friend in the bathroom during a diaper change in the middle of mass. I love that. Which was really, really sweet. Um, but so that was where we ended up going. And so a couple of weeks go by and I see in the church bulletin and this is where like my real yes and my real like love of the faith starts is so I see this, this ad in the bulletin for this thing and it was called Oasis and it was an evening retreat an evening night of praise and adoration for women. Mm -hmm. And then at the very bottom of it, it said nursing babies welcome because what would have happened if it hadn't said that is I would have said, I can't go. I have a baby. She's two months old. I just moved here. I don't know anybody, but because it said that I was encouraged to go and I actually Mm -hmm. almost backed out at the last second. I didn't want to drive my little tiny sedan with my two month old baby in the back seat. But my husband was like, you go. And so I put on my pants and I went. And uh, the reason why I said pants is because I get there and I meet these women, but almost none of them are wearing pants. They're all wearing like skirts and dresses. And then I realized very quickly that they're all veiling. (laughs) And I was like, what is this? And it was very, uh, it was actually very shocking for me because up to that point, I had not seen people veil. And so these women were all young women and I'd never been to like a praise and worship night. And so the, the church had this beautiful chapel, which was where the praise and worship night was. And so I don't remember a ton about it other than that. I was just in this incredibly beautiful chapel with an amazing um, fresco. I think that's what they're called. I'm not an art person, but an amazing painting all over the ceiling and then there's all these women and they're just like radiating this joy and this incredible, just, Oh, we love Jesus so much. And so at that point in my life, I didn't really believe that Jesus was present in the Eucharist. I thought it's a nice idea. And you know, how can you prove it? And 
I know they say transubstantiation. I know all the words. I can spell the words. I have 13 years of Catholic school. I know more than everybody else because I was still really young and really, really not very smart. But I was seeing these women and they were just kneeling down before Jesus in the Eucharist. And they were just loving him with this love that was just pouring out of their hearts. It was like, I don't even know how to describe it, but if you've never seen people love Jesus in the Eucharist, then you're missing out on one of the most beautiful things in the whole entire world. And so I was kneeling there with my two-month-old baby in my arms and just looking at Jesus in the monstrance and then seeing these women all around me. And I just prayed, I said, Jesus, please give me a faith like that. I want a faith like that. I want that faith. And so that was, you know, that was my first moment of really saying yes. And I realized I'd said yes in little ways, but at that moment I was open to him, you know, really just cracking my heart wide open and taking the hard case off and just exposing it. And so that resulted in a really great amount of spiritual growth, praying the rosary, learning about the chaplet of divine mercy, going to confession regularly, going to adoration, falling in love with Jesus in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. really just feeling so inspired by, you know, homilies at mass and just coming back from receiving the Eucharist and crying at how beautiful it is. And mm-hmm. it's so easy to take it for granted, but when you, when you really have that moment of just, this is true, that's, that's just so, so incredible. So that's really my first time that God has been with me my whole life. Looking back, I can totally see it, but that is the moment when I prayed for a faith, like the faith of those women around me, those beautiful women around me have no idea what they did for me just by loving Jesus. Wow. How powerful. I know. It's just, he's so good. And that was the moment that I really allowed for God to let me make the faith my own. Because before then it had been, I was raised Catholic. I am Catholic, but now this is my faith. This is my belief. This is what, what I believe. And so um, there's actually more. (laughs) Yes. No, keep going. My next question is like, so then what happened? I mean, that's amazing. I just, I love so many things you said there. But wow. Yes. No, keep going. I want to know I was, what then what happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I start falling in love with Jesus and with adoration. And I, I just, I love it, but I'm still not convinced that the Eucharist is truly Jesus. And so I had this day, I, I prayed. So I felt I was drawn to the rosary and I'd always been drawn to the rosary. We prayed it as kids occasionally. And, you know, I I just trusted in Mary. And so, (laughs) which is kind of funny that I was willing to trust in Mary, but not sure that Jesus was in the Eucharist, but Hey, it worked. So I started praying the rosary and I did a novena and I'd never really done a novena. And I had done one to, it was to our lady undoer of knots. And I prayed and I asked her to please help me believe that it's Jesus in the Eucharist. And that was it. I didn't ask her to do anything other than to help me believe. And so I finished that novena. It wasn't like the ninth or 10th day or anything like that. But a while after I finished that novena, I had this day where dinner was in the crock pot. The baby was sleeping. My apartment was clean all the laundry was put away. I have never had a day like that since. And so I was like, wow, I literally have nothing else to do right now. And it's, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. 
I'm going to take a nap. So I laid down and I just fell asleep instantly, which also doesn't happen ever. And I had a dream and it was just the most beautiful, peaceful dream ever. And in my dream, I just saw it was a dark room and there was an altar on it, like a simple stone hewn altar. And on the altar was this monstrance. It was just plain gold. There were no jewels, nothing else on it. And it was just beautiful. And in that monstrance was, was the Eucharist. And then on top of it and coming down the sides and even in front of it, even though this makes no sense, was this beautiful blue fabric, but I could still see Jesus. It didn't detract from Jesus in any way in the Eucharist. That was, there was, there was the Eucharist there. I could still see it fully. And so that beautiful blue fabric, I just, I woke up, I was asleep for about 10 minutes because I looked at the clock and I woke up and I just said, I know what just happened. I just knew. So I knew what had happened was that Mary had just shown me that Jesus was present in the Eucharist. And so what that might sound to people who maybe aren't as familiar with this, Mary is considered the first tabernacle because Jesus in her womb, she was the first person to carry his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the flesh, right? And that's the Eucharist. And so I woke up and I knew that I had seen Mary's beautiful blue mantle over a monstrance and that I'd never seen that monstrance. I'd never seen that altar. I'd never seen anything like that. And it was just so peaceful and so perfect. And so I woke up and I was just in shock and awe, but I knew she'd answered my prayer. I just, I knew it. There's this, I I don't really know how else to say it other than that when you have a spiritual encounter of, you know, some sort of nature and you just feel like that's God answering a prayer, that's Mary interceding for you, that's a certain saint, you just know it. There's no doubt. And so I was so, so excited about it, but I was also a little bit like, what just happened? And so when my husband came home from work that day, I told him, because we were um, planning to expand our family at that point, I told him, I said, I want our next baby to be named Maria in honor of Mary. And he was like, okay. I I love how your husband's just like on this ride. (laughs) He's such a good guy. I love it. (laughs) He he is such a good guy. But yeah, he just was like, okay. And totally okay with it. So wow, that was really incredible. That is so, so powerful. I mean, I just love novenas are just incredible. They really, truly are. They're so insanely powerful. Every time I've done a novena, something has happened that I really can't explain. But like something that the thing that I'm praying about or the things that I'm praying about, they change for the better. And it seems to be always when I commit to a novena, I think there's something so powerful in that daily intention for that long, um, directing this request, you know, there's something so powerful about it. And I just, wow, I can't believe you had that dream. That is incredible. What a, what a good answer to your prayers. You must've just been like, okay, (laughs) you got me, you got me. I don't know what else to say after that one. (laughs) I know. I just, I've been, I've been looking at any church I go to adoration and I look for the monstrance. I haven't seen it. So, yep, I look for it just in case, like, maybe it's a sign, you know, I've ever seen it. But no, I hadn't seen it that I can remember. I mean, I can't remember every monstrance I've ever seen, but it was just... I think you would know, though. I feel like you would be like, oh, my gosh, that's it. (laughs) 
it's just um, the the beauty of it and the way that God works is just, I just love sharing that with people. Yeah. And especially because the way that God is going to work in your life is going to be different than the way he works in my life. But the way he's worked in my life can encourage you to share how he's worked in your life, which can encourage this person to share. And we can we can really evangelize through that. Totally, totally. And it's either we're all nuts or <laughs> this is really happening. I don't know. What, I don't know what to tell you, folks. But I'm gonna go with <laughs> all really happening because yeah. I, you know, but I had I was so relieved actually because. I know exactly where I stand on the Eucharist now. I know exactly what I'm willing to do for the Eucharist. I know that I'm willing to die before I renounce that that's, you know, before I renounce it. And so that's something that's like, okay, well, now I don't have to worry about that. I know exactly what I Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mama Mary. (laughs) Always bringing you back to Jesus. Do you believe in the power of conversion stories? Has this show moved you in some way? Join the Branches of the Vine community of supporters. You will be making this show happen and you'll be helping it grow and expand into new avenues to reach even more souls. Visit togrowgood.com support to join for as little as $3 a month. This link is also a live link in today's episode description. If you just scroll down, you'll be able to click right there to join us. As a gift back to you, you will gain access to an underground bonus podcast. That's right, a collection of monthly episodes on a series of different topics that stir my heart, in addition to behind-the-scenes updates on where he's leading this ministry and more. You are the light of the world. Thank you so much for supporting me in this mission and stepping out on the water to wherever he calls me next. Let's see where this goes. Today's episode is brought to you by Catholic Match. Are you feeling called to marriage but struggling to meet others who are striving for sainthood? Well, my friends, there is a solution for you. Welcome to Catholic Match, the largest faith-focused dating app designed for single Catholics. Unlike other dating sites, Catholic Match primarily strives to help singles connect for the purpose of sacramental marriage through direct message, video chat, and more. And not only that, It also provides a place to make new friends in the faith because, let's be honest, these days it's harder than ever to cultivate intimate Catholic community. Create your Catholic love story. Visit catholicmatch.com slash to grow good to create your free Catholic Match account and start meeting fellow-minded Catholics today. So, my gosh. That's one of the fruit of the mysteries of the rosary is um, to Jesus through Mary. So that's just so beautiful, such a testament to her intercession and how, especially as women, she can bring us so close to Jesus because she herself is that tabernacle. So that's, that's my story. So powerful. Oh my gosh. I love it. And so did you start going to worship nights, Mm -hmm. you know, like regularly and, uh, I guess what led you to ministry in the church and then eventually what led to 
hard home faith. <laughs> it's so funny because, you know, I don't know that I've put all these pieces together until we're talking, but yes. I'm pregnant, so I'm hormonal, but I'm also <laughs> crying about how beautiful this all is. But I, um, okay. So I started going to the praise and worship nights that were put on by these women. They were young women. They were married. They were fairly traditional. They had big Catholic families. They had beautiful testimonies to share. And I just, wanted a faith like theirs. And so they put these events on, I think it was every three or four months. So I would go every time they did it. And it was so, so incredibly beautiful. And it really just changed my heart. And I learned so much from them. And then I learned so much about Catholic family life from them. So I ended up connecting with women in the parish who had families and just one woman in particular invited me and my oldest daughter, who was about a year old at that time, to their house. And I just came over to talk and to, to hang out and just to see what family life was like. And she just literally, from her example, just taught me so much about what Catholic family life could be. Uh, at the end of their Grace Before Meals, they said, the um, Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us, and Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. And I didn't know to say that. And so now I've taught my kids that, and I say it all the time. But it was just, it was so funny that I was just able to build these connections and these people who really just encouraged me, not even on purpose, but just through being kind and authentic living. And so, uh, so that was that. So because <laughs> my story doesn't end. It keeps going. <laughs> so my husband and I felt, because our original plan had been to move to Texas for a few years, I was going to teach, he was going to work, we were going to save money. Once we had kids five years down the road, I mean, I had the perfect plan and none of it happened, which is okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had, uh, once we want to have kids, we'll move back to Michigan, buy a house, it'll be great. And so because we had Gabriella and she was a little one before we moved and because we were in Texas with her, it was just hard to be away from family. And so we, we realized, you know, this isn't where we're called to be, but I still feel like it was the best thing that ever happened in my life was that move because that was where I came to know Jesus on a more personal level. And so we decided to move back to Michigan to be around family. And so it was in the process of, of that that I ended up having my first miscarriage, which was really sad, but it's very, it's very common. And so um, I feel like I have to talk about that very much because again, that was a stripping down of self and just uh, feeling that pain and knowing that God walks with you through the pain, even if you can't see what's going on. And so I ended up getting pregnant again the next month after that first miscarriage and that pregnancy, things were looking really good. And then I had an ultrasound at eight weeks just to make sure everything was okay. And the baby, it's called a missed miscarriage, which is um, more traumatic than just uh, you take a pregnancy test. And then a few moments later, you, you just basically have a normal cycle, even though you know something's happening, that's not great. But so that missed miscarriage was so, so hard for us because we wanted to grow our family and things just weren't working. And I was really wondering, am I going to be able to have more kids? Am I being punished? All those questions, all those things that, that happened. And so that was when I started, my mom flew down to Texas from Michigan because she was so worried about me. And, and she just came and hung out with my oldest daughter, Gabriella. And I just went to adoration. 
I just kept going to adoration and I just kept crying there in front of Jesus. Like, what are you doing to me? And Mm. I'm feeling so, so sad about everything. So um, we ended up going back to Michigan for Christmas. My mom had left to come back to Michigan. We ended up driving because we were moving a car and then leaving a car. It was kind of crazy. So making that all work was a challenge. Um, but I ended up losing that baby physically on Christmas day, which was really, really hard and really, 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 really sad. And so I feel like it's very important for me to talk about the pain and the struggle because it sounds cliche, but it's true. It brought me so much closer to Jesus and I didn't have anything else I could do other than just keep throwing myself at the foot of his cross and just saying, why are you doing this? And looking up at the cross and knowing that, you know, sin, sin and death are parts of our world and that we do have to participate in, in the, the sadness and in the despair and in the, the sorrow of what we can experience as consequences of, of sin. Not that I did anything wrong or was being punished. It was just, you know, a, however it was. And so those two little babies in heaven are very powerful intercessors for our family. And I'm very grateful for them. And they've really helped me have safe and healthy pregnancies with my next two. And I'm asking them to help me with this, this third baby after that. And so, uh, oh my goodness. Okay. So I had, had those miscarriages and then we ended up moving back to Michigan and I ended up having my second daughter, whose name is Maria. And, um, you know, able to heal in many, many ways and still feeling the pain. It doesn't get easier, but, but being able to heal. And so we ended up finding a parish, which is actually now the parish that I work at, but we ended up finding a parish in our area and started attending mass there. And so it was really beautiful. I ended up connecting with the associate pastor when we bought our house a few months later. And so he came over and he blessed our house and we made him lasagna. And I wonder now if that's what everybody makes priests when they come to bless their house. How much lasagna do these poor men have to eat? (laughs) It was okay. So he, he blessed our house. And as we were waiting for the lasagna to finish cooking, he asked us if we liked to read and we did. And he was starting these small groups And so there's a women's small group and a men's small group. And so I've been part of the women's small group since then. And that's where I met a lot of my friends and a lot of the people that have really journeyed with me. And they really helped me with that, that sense of isolation that, you know, if you're moving as a mom, it's hard. It's, it's not easy. And so I was able to connect with them and to get into the the parish community that way. So because God's so crazy and so good with all he does and the way he just ties everything together. I'm like, I don't know what you're doing with this piece of yarn here, but okay, I'll, I'll just do it. Yeah. I'll just send along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. I started, uh, I started going to daily mass, which was kind of crazy because I was going by myself with a two-year-old and a baby. And so there's this fountain because it's a, it's a Catholic church. So do all Catholic churches have fountains outside? I don't know, but this one does. And so after mass, I stopped at the fountain with my daughter and our priest, who's our pastor, actually didn't know me at the time. He came over and he saw me standing there with a two-year-old and a baby, and he just came over to say hi. And so he came over and he said hi, and then we started talking, and I told him about how I'd moved from Texas. And he said, 
do you have it? Like, is there anything that we could do here that you experienced there? I was like, well, yes, there is. Let's do some praise and worship. And so he was like, okay, well, write something up for me. Touch myself. Okay. So I got in the car and then I, I buckled all the kids in and I realized that I had been hearing that in my prayer time and I had been asking God, like, what do you want me to write? But I literally heard like write for me in, in my prayer time. And so that was really exciting. So I, I actually ended up with my small group coordinating a night of praise and worship for women that included a testimony, which was my testimony up to that point. So more has happened, uh, but also adoration, confession, music that was sung by women in my small group. And just, it was beautiful. And so that event has actually been a Lenten women's retreat for the past several years now. And so it's something that has stuck and has been just part of the parish culture, which I'm grateful for. And so... (laughs) Cause there's more, right? It just, God's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was a position that opened up at the parish and one of the women in my small group is actually not my boss, but she is the DRE or she's actually the parish catechetical leader. So she's like a DRE, but with some more things cause she's not just doing religious education. I think that's, I don't know. But um, anyways, she knew that I was a trained teacher. She knew that I was starting to feel really unhappy as a stay-at-home mom and that I was feeling really like I was being called to discern some sort of work at that point. And so I told, I kind of told the whole small group one night, I'm feeling really discouraged, really unhappy, really just, I feel like I'm being called back to work, but I don't know what type of work. And so that day she looked at me and she pulled me aside. She said, well, there's a position actually at, at church. And I mean, it was kind of awkward for her to propose that I interview for it, given that she was one of the people who hired me, but I do have the credentials and I do have yeah, the, yeah. What, what's needed to be an effective staff member there. And so um, of course, father makes the final decisions as to who's hired, but she had some say, and I, you know, put everything together and interviewed and didn't expect them to hire me just because they knew me. And so it ended up, that's how I ended up working in parish ministry. That's the, that's wow. kind of the long story, but it's all woven into Yes. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. I love that the priest asked, asked you uh, if there's anything that you should, I mean, that's not really a normal question to ask somebody. So the fact that he even asked that is just, it was the Holy Spirit <laughs> because yeah, it invited you to share like pray, this thing that changed really your life. Yes. Just absolutely. amazing. I mean, that's just how he works. Like giving you those little invitations. Uh, it, wow. That is just so beautiful. And I just love the couple full circles in your story already, you know, like, like I love how it was at a, when you looked for Catholic schools, which you were talking about in the beginning, you know, we're kind of so-so for you growing up, but it was at a Catholic school or it was a Catholic school that led you out to meet your first friend at that parish in the, you know, it's just in crazy. The <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy how those things, how he, how he uses it all. But wow, that's amazing. So then, so how, what about heart home faith? How did that come about? <laughs> 
Okay, <laughs> getting closer to my current <laughs> So for Heart Home Faith, I, as I said earlier, I had spent a lot of my time as a young mom feeling really isolated. And so in ministry, one of the things that I do is I connect with our parish's young families, and I just look for ways to support them. And one of the things that I found is that women are lonely because raising kids today so isolating. You know, you have your device, you have your rules, you have your scheduled play dates, you have your this, that, and then it's just, it's so hard. And if you have older kids, you're balancing their schedules and it's monumental to just try to figure out how to, con- how do you even have the time to connect with other women? And so I, knowing that I had felt called to do something else. And so it was one of those things, but I also still felt like I don't know anything and I don't have any experience and what the heck would I do, but I love public speaking. And so um, the the short version of that story is that I just decided after reading a book, which I'll talk about later, that, you know, there's a way for me to do a podcast. I just have to figure it out. But there were some technological things that made it just sit on the back burner for a while like a whole year. <laughs> then with, uh, with COVID hitting and quarantine, I ended up being furloughed for um, like six weeks. And that was when I just felt, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, God, but you've been calling me to this. And so I'm going to try it and see what happens. And I did. And I just, I love it. I love this opportunity to use what God's done in my life and what God's done in other people's lives to, to draw people closer to him. And so it's just been fun and I've been really enjoying it. So that's kind of the short version of how I got there. And wow. it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of grace in that. That's beautiful though, because again, with the full circle, but you got to, you really get to speak from your own experiences. Like you were saying, like the hardships and the joys and just how you followed God through it all. And I think like you were saying with isolation, just that connection um, that can cross you know, especially in COVID times, you know, it can cross borders. It can touch people um, where they are at in a really deep way that technology really has allowed the Holy Spirit to work through. So I think that that's that's amazing that you've been able to do that. Um, But so, I mean, I know we kind of touched on this, but what have been maybe some of your biggest challenges in cultivating this relationship and what have been some of your greatest joys? Well, you know, of course, anytime you experience a tragedy, that's going to be a a challenge. It's a moment of transformation. And so I do definitely imagine that the butterfly coming out of the chrysalis, there's some cracking and, and probably not great sensations there. And also waiting there helplessly for your wings to dry, right? Like our whole faith is transformative. It's about taking, you know, taking our sinful selves and walking ever closer to Jesus and allowing ourselves to be changed by him. And uh, so that's been a challenge anytime you've experienced any sort of struggle in my life. It's very easy for me to wonder why me and to think, well, I'm being punished or something like that. But I am grateful that I have the, the faith the depth of faith now to know I'm not being punished. God has a plan in store. I have the ability to look back over almost an entire decade now and just say, God has a plan. He loves me. He's walking with me. He's never let me down. 
And so that's been, that's been hard cultivating a relationship with him whenever there's been a tragedy. And so my youngest, well, my third daughter, she had just been baptized and my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so that was really, really challenging for me to have him have a very terrible diagnosis. That's not a cancer that has a high survival rate. And so Mm. uh, we prayed him to surgery in April of 2019 and he got there. And then in the fall of 2019, we found out that the cancer came back. And so going through that has been just a real challenge. And just, I mean, and it's these, it's these things that are just part of life. And I can't imagine going through them without God, even though it's so easy to say, where is he? Uh, But the good news about my dad, if you guys could pray for him, his name is Joe. He actually qualified for this incredibly crazy second major pancreatic cancer surgery. And so he's going to be having the surgery in September and they're going to be removing his pancreas and his stomach and like all the places that pancreatic cancer grows. And so pray, you know, praise God that it works and, and praying that it be an effective treatment for him so he can stop the chemo and he can just be happy in himself again and not fighting this disease. So I think, you know, watching other people suffer and having no ability to fix it is very humbling for me. And knowing that I like to make things happen and that I'm a, I'm a doer. I like to go and I like to do, and that's a good thing, but also recognizing that there are times when I can't do anything except trust in God and that's very difficult for me. And so that that trusting is so hard for me and having patience is so hard. So I think I think just those big those big challenges in my life, those circumstances that just you, you don't know why they're happening and you feel powerless in the face of them, those are the hardest things for me to to come to grips with in my faith. Yeah. Yeah, no that makes that makes total sense. I think that that that's really, really difficult thing to to deal with, no matter what age or phase or stage you're at. You know, I think it's always a hard thing, and especially the trust, the trusting in God, and feeling like He He's got it. But do you really got it? Because I could just take it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but actually, it's so much better if you got it. So please keep it. <laughs> but um, but uh, and what have been some of your greatest joys though from that? Oh. Goodness. Okay. So it's so hard to pick, but just, I mean, the whole story really is a joy, yeah, but it really is the seeing the way that he's just accepted my yes. He accepted my plea for faith and he gave it to me, I think has been the absolute greatest joy of my life. And then of course the joys of being a mom, the joys of raising children in the faith, the joys of them. I would pray the rosary in the car with them when they were little. And then having my, she was then three, sit on the couch with me with her chunky wooden rosary and and praying the the chaplet of divine mercy, just because she knew it from me praying it in the car. And, And just those little, those little signal graces that are just there in every day. I mean, if you just, have that tenderness of heart to say coincidence or God, 
and to lean towards this as God, you will see, you will see his hand everywhere. And that I think is just the greatest joy that he just is so present and active in our lives. And you can be so jaded as to not see it, or you can actually choose to see his, his amazing love that he's literally just pouring into us all the time. And so that it's, it's the little things. It's the little things that give me the greatest joy. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Um, and so what have been some of your standout influences on your journey, whether it's a book or a podcast, a speaker, a specific retreat, or even a sacrament? I know the Eucharist clearly, <laughs> uh, that have just helped you and been a big part of your journey. Okay. So I was inspired about starting a podcast by Claire Swinarski from, um, yes, the Catholic so good. Um, by her book, Girl Arise. We brought it in our small group. And so those women have also really encouraged me on the small group women, just having faithful friends in your corner to cheer you on, to listen to what you have to say and to say, like, you got this. I'm proud of you. So she was the person who put the idea in my head. And I was kind of like, wait a minute, like she can do a podcast. I can do a podcast. But then I also was really overwhelmed and just, so I actually ended up, I ended up ordering a microphone and it sat around for a year because I couldn't figure out the technology stuff. And it was actually super easy once I sat down to do it. Um, <laughs> but when I picked up Jennifer Fulweiler's book, Your Blue Flame this year, because I love Jennifer Fulweiler and she was just talking about just like taking the plunge and not being scared and using your gifts and talents. And I knew that public speaking and speaking about the faith was something that I desired to do. And I also knew that it's COVID and I don't have anything else going on other than, well, raising kids. But, you know, I wanted to do something. I'm an active person. I like to be actively doing some sort of ministry. And so I just decided to take the plunge and and to even just see what happened. And if it was a total flop and failure, at least then I'd know. And it wasn't. It's been a real great blessing. And so um, Claire and Jennifer Fulweiler have been big influences for me through their writing and, and their presence. And so they've been they've been two of the two of the big Catholic names that have really stood out to me. But I can't emphasize enough how much my my small group of women who are now just there's eight of us total, I think, or maybe seven, but these women in our group who just they just share and they're willing to support us and they're willing to say, do it, try it, see what happens and just love you through the technology hiccups and through the frustrations and through the, the kids having a tantrum and through the fact that you burned dinner for the fourth time that week and just having somebody that you can say those things to makes such a difference. So having, yes. you know, I can't overemphasize having authentic Catholic friends enough either. They've been amazing gifts for me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. To everything. I, we were saying before too, how, how we're made for communion. And it's just so evident. It's so evident when you find true communion in true friendships, you know, like pointed to heaven, you know, like where, where you're helping each other get to heaven. It's just incredibly powerful. And so, so much fruit in that, um, that I found too, just in, in a small group that I'm in as well. Um, but the last question I hope to ask everyone who comes on at the end is, can you share with us one scripture verse that's either speaking to you recently or that has played a foundational role in your journey and why? Yes, I can. So the one thing I want to tell you, though, is that in my master's courses last summer, 
I took a class and it was a prerequisite class that had no theology background before I enrolled in the the program. So I have to take, I had to take a couple of prerequisite classes before I got into the master's level classes. So this particular one was about the Bible. And so I had to memorize all the books of the Bible in order and the Bible verse to go with each book. And if wow. you've never done that, I highly recommend that you try it out because it's very hard, <laughs> so rewarding. But the, the verse that has stood out to me the most, it was right after I had my second miscarriage and it was a reading at mass. And so it's Thirac 2 verses 5 through 6. For gold is tested in the fire and those found acceptable in the furnace of humiliation. Trust in him and he will help you. Make your way straight and hope in him. Hmm. And why this verse? I mean, how did it speak to you or how has it spoken to you? So I was hearing it at mass and was so, so sad and so devastated about the two miscarriages that it was January when that reading that included that verse was. And so it was very recent that I just had these two miscarriages back to back and feeling just so upset. And I was so just lifted up by the idea of purification and the idea of gold. Gold is precious. Gold is tested in fire. Gold comes out of a fire purified. And it just spoke to me like I had been through this time of very rapid and very intense purification over the past year-ish of my life because I had come so, so far, so, so quickly as far as maturing in the faith and just knowing that there are going to be times when I feel like I don't know what's going on. There's going to be hardships, moments of pain, moments of suffering, but it's because God loves me. He's purifying me through it. I'm precious to him. And then I just, I love that trust in him and he will help you make your way straight and hope in him. I'm a sucker for the word hope. It's actually my confirmation name. I chose that when I was in eighth grade. So Again, there's a little circle there, but just having, having that trust in him, having that hope in him, that's what I want. That's what I want my whole life to be about is trusting in him and hoping in him and hopefully one day getting into heaven and seeing him face to face and just falling down and kissing his feet. Like that's Mm. all I want. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ah, this has been amazing. Seriously. I'm just so glad that, um, I got to read your blue flame too. I love Claire and I love Jennifer Fulweiler. Also her conversion story is amazing. It's on YouTube. Everyone should watch it. But um, I need to watch, I need to read that book. That was another nudge I felt from the Holy Spirit when you brought that up because it keeps coming up. So I'm like, I got to read it. But um, yeah, yeah. So I'm just so glad that you have said yes to this next adventure in the Hard Home Faith podcast. Everyone should go give it a listen. And thank you so much, Olivia. This has been incredible. Your story is, as always, incredible. God made and only the Holy Spirit could really weave all of this together in such a beautiful way. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you so much for letting me me talk for such a long time. I'm I so <laughs> to, just to share it and to let people know how good God is because he's so, so good and he loves us all so, so much. Yes. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see where the rest of your adventure takes you. 
Oh, I can't wait to see where yours goes too. So thank you, (laughs) Rachel. It was a pleasure to be on. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in today's conversation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, would you please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or on whatever app you're listening from? Reviews help podcasts to show up higher in search results so that more people can find these incredible stories of the Lord at work. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend, a family member, or a coworker who might enjoy the conversation as well. Find us on Instagram at to grow good. See you next week.